welcome back to another episode of ADD News. We've got some pretty exciting stuff for you today. Uh, we'll be interviewing my friend Alexandra, who's here in call with us today from China. Alexandra, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Hi, uh, my name is Alexandra Petrie. I am currently a teacher, an English teacher in China, and also a student at Tsinghua University. And I've been living in China for about the past five years. Awesome. So I want to start with some of the like lighter stuff about your time in China before we get into any of the politics or COVID or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, how did your first couple of years pre-COVID go? It, it went pretty well. Um, when, when you first get to a country as, as different as China is to America... Um, it's definitely a little bit jarring at first. And one of the biggest things was the language barrier. Um, however, once you kind of start some language classes and um, just kind of familiar yourself with your with your environment, it got a lot easier. Um, but yeah, the first few months were, you know, I didn't have any idea about China's you know, what apps they use, delivery, just anything, where to go to get something repaired. So the first few months were definitely a bit challenging. Yeah, that makes sense. How much Chinese did you know at that point in time? It was very beginner. I I had taken lessons um, in university. However, I quickly realized once I got to China, just how lacking my Chinese skills really were. Um, I had taken, I think, three to four courses, but once I actually got to China and people were speaking, you know, at that, um, the speed you use in a native language, Mm -hmm. a regular speed of flow, I realized I knew almost nothing. And so I I would say very, very beginner when I first got here um, and then started up some more classes as as soon as I arrived. Gotcha. Um, Yeah. Believe it or not, my co-host Rufus actually is in this call, though I forgot to introduce him because I got excited about starting this interview. Rufus, do you have any questions for Alexandra so far? My bad. I had my mic turned off. I've been talking this whole time. Hi, I'm Rufus. Not a single word. <laughs> oh, I am a podcaster. Um, I probably should have written down a few questions uh, upon hearing we'd have Alexandra here as a guest. I did not. So off the bat, I do not have a lot of questions, honestly. Um, obviously, he you went with the experience upon you know arriving, all that. Uh, I can imagine that'd be jarring, only just because you know, other side of the globe, essentially. Um, uh, how did how was teaching uh, from the initial uh, initial standpoint? Like how what was what were some hurdles you had to cross to? Just getting out and beginning lessons and whatnot with uh, a class, I guess. I don't know how teachers work anyways. So. For, for a Chinese class or my yeah. own teaching? Oh, okay. either. Either uh, or, yeah. Okay. For a Chinese class, the biggest issue is trying to find like a good teacher. Because, um, of course, in any large city, there's quite a few people that would be teaching. And it kind of took a few tries to find a, a teacher that worked for me um 
What I've learned over the years, not only being a student, but also being a teacher, is that even if you have a really good teacher, sometimes if their way of teaching doesn't mesh with the student's way of learning, you still might not have good classes. And so what I've kind of learned over the years is that I was kind of forcing myself to like fit with a couple teachers that are good teachers. And then recently I've gotten a new Chinese teacher and it's, it's helped my Chinese click so much more. And I think it's because our teaching and learning styles are more aligned than past uh, kind of teacher student relationships. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what is the closest major city to you right now? So my current city is Shijiazhuang, and the closest large city is Beijing. Beijing is one hour away by fast train or four hours by, by driving. Okay. Uh, is it... Trains. So as far as transportation goes, do you do a lot of driving? Uh, do you take public transportation? Is driving really common there? Um, or is it like a major metropolitan area in the United States where the majority of the population uh, spends most of their time commuting through public transit? Or what's the uh, transportation situation like there in China, at least in your area of China? Yeah, there is a lot of driving. I do not. I don't have my Chinese driver's license. However, I heard it's quite easy to get. Um, but to me, I'm a bit intimidated by driving in China. Um, so some of the driving rules are different, and I'm not too confident in that. But yes, a lot of people drive. My city, it's, it's considered a pretty small city, actually, despite having 12 million people. Um, and at any given day during rush hour, there's so much traffic. Um, yeah. but yeah, a lot of people drive around here and gotcha. yeah. Yeah. I, I had no idea what the <laughs> transportation infrastructure was like over there. So that's, uh, that's cool to know. Yeah. So do you primarily use like a, like a, a ride share service or public transportation? Yes. So depending on where I'm trying to go, I try to use public transport the most because public transport in China is so convenient. You've got just a, a huge bus system. Um, Shijiazhuang has recently gotten three lines of subway. Um, so yeah, public transport's great. They also have e-bikes that you can rent. You just scan a QR code. And you get on the bike or the e-bike. And then if it's a particularly like far destination, I'll use um, an app like DD, which is similar to um, a Lyft or an Uber. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, the uh, vast majority of the questions that I have planned to talk with you about are... Uh, lined up for after we start talking about COVID. So, uh, <laughs> um, what was the, what was the socio-political climate like when you got there? Were people heavily invested in politics a lot or talking about politics a lot? I always kind of assume that, and I have no reason for assuming this, but that every other country, the, 
citizen population is not as active into politics as uh as we are here in the united states <laughs> we're just very loud at our opinions here uh but i was just curious is there any political chat going on in the uh national discussion or not a lot um it's you like most of the political conversations i've had with chinese people are relating to american politics back home they've Usually they'll ask what I think about whatever current president is in office. They might ask about America's COVID situation. Um, but it usually doesn't go into Chinese politics. Um, I know one of my friends who's also a teacher at my school, he was explaining how a lot of Chinese people just don't even watch the news because they know there's a lot of propaganda and there's just not much of a point and watching it um and so i think a lot of chinese people um tend to not get too involved in politics Mm. kind of for that reason that's interesting yeah yeah um uh yeah that sort of confirmed my suspicions about it i didn't figure that probably many countries have the problem that we do with a very political populace so um yeah yeah (laughs) Uh, it's definitely very good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I say that as somebody who's doing a podcast about politics and the news in the United States. So, let's say, yeah, it is my it is my American right to scream and rant about every politician I see. <laughs> I I bought a t shirt today that gives explicit intent to strike elected officials. <laughs> 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 You gotta if you're living in Texas for too long. Oh yeah, it's it's uh, it's a Texas tradition. Wanting wanting to punt punch Ted Cruz, punt too. I'd also punt him. It, yeah, I don't know how far he'll get him off the ground, but you can try. <laughs> um, but since we veered into it, what was it like when COVID uh, first was? breaking out there before it spread to the rest of the world and then if you want to go into how uh it evolved there as it spread sure so when the the first cases of covid were kind of brought up in the news i don't think anybody here was very worried about it because like china's such a huge country and wuhan is quite far away from me. It's five hours by fast train. Um, It's almost a day traveling by car. And so when the news kind of was saying how there are some people in Wuhan getting sick and we're not quite sure exactly what it is, I think a lot of people just thought this is going to be taken care of. Um, Mm -hmm. This isn't going to be that issue. And then I actually left the country because uh, it, it's January and February is a holiday time for the teachers, for the foreign teachers at our school. And so first I actually went to India and that's when this, the news started getting more serious and China was going into lockdown and not just Wuhan, all of China was going into lockdown. And my friends that were still in China at the time were kind of messaging me and saying, we're not allowed to leave our apartments anymore, or maybe you can leave your apartment, but only 
once every few days to get groceries. You have to have a pass to, to leave your community. And that's when it started to hit home as to just how serious it was. Um, and that's also when it was getting more traction in the news. But I think at the same time, it was still not quite as serious, obviously, because it was just in China. Um, and after India, I went to England to go see my boyfriend. And even some people didn't quite understand why it was considered serious in China at the time, because it was only in China. Like no one had any knowledge of what this was outside of news right. stories coming from China. And so things were get, just getting more and more serious every day. Cases were climbing by the thousands. Um, and I was just watching in my own city, the cases steadily go up. And finally it was time to fly back and I had like four flights canceled and I was honestly terrified that I would be stuck in a foreign country, England, and I wouldn't be able to get back to my home in China. Um, luckily I did. And when I got back, it, it was so strange. Um, I got into Beijing. My flight was like the only one for that day coming into Beijing there was nobody at the airport except for people spraying disinfectant. Um, everywhere you walked, someone would basically come and spray disinfectant. Then I took a train to my city and it was immediately kind of questioned, being like, where have you just come from? Where have you traveled to? Have you been to Wuhan? And then I finally got settled into my apartment and I had to they said you have to quarantine for two weeks in your apartment. However, then they sent me to a, like a, a state run hotel uh, where they monitor your quarantine. They give you nucleic tests um, daily. And after two weeks, I was allowed to return back to my apartment and then stay two more weeks in my apartment as an at home quarantine. And then we just kind of started a new way of life. Um, and there wasn't much leaving that apartment for months. That was kind of the, the initial COVID um, experience here in China. Wow. That's intense. Um, it was. It was for sure. And very scary as a foreigner. Um, yeah. Yeah. So after the initial experience uh, and the shock of it all kind of wore off and then you had um, President Trump agitating China and Chinese officials about the virus, did that have any impact on your experience with the people around you in China? So I think um, there's definitely been a change in how Chinese people, I think, view Americans. I think before before COVID, when relations were better, when people met you and asked you, where are you from? And you said America, usually it would be met with some excitement or at least neutrality or interest. And now, although no one said anything, no one said anything rude, no one's been impolite. But now when people ask where you're from and you say America, they're just they're, the tone has changed and and you can tell that um 
a, a lot of the questions I used to get was more lighthearted, like, oh, do you miss America? Um, where are you from in America? And now the questions I get kind of right, like if I'm just chatting with a cab driver and he's like, where are you from? And I said, I'm from America. And usually the questions instead are like, oh, what do you think about Trump? Mm -hmm. Or now, do you like Biden? And they'll ask when the last time I went home to America was, because honestly, they're scared that um, I might have the coronavirus and like a, it's, it's their way of seeing, have you been to America recently? And then they'll usually comment about how serious it is in America and just stay in China because it's safer, which is honestly true. It is a lot safer here. Yeah, I mean, it's a lot safer almost anywhere else. Absolutely. Uh, I got COVID just a few weeks ago, in fact, because Texas has uh, nothing, nothing to prevent it. Uh, We're not doing really anything at all. Not even ICU beds anymore. Nope, actively go out licking doorknobs. That's the Texas tradition. Is that, is that, is that, I can't tell, is that real or is uh, <laughs> Oh, licking doorknobs? No, no. But okay. The fact that you, you can't tell know. really says some things about now. Texas. You know, I'm, I'm not going to be surprised when someone does start posting videos on TikTok or wherever of them showing how they don't believe in COVID by licking Actually, you know what? This did happen. Was it, I want to say it was USC, but I'll confirm this later, who has a tradition at the beginning of the school year to use a public fountain uh, that's on their campus. And just a few weeks ago when they opened up, they had every student on campus lined up on mass to use the same public water fountain. And just to be clear... I only use public water fountains even before COVID because they are notoriously disgusting. Yeah, they're germ-infested. And USC has already had a COVID breakout. Actually, almost every school's had a COVID breakout at this point. Yeah. Half of my staff I work with went down this past two weeks. It's nuts. It's yeah. so, so, so insane. Yeah. Um, and that, so that doesn't surprise me that... Um, it, well, it wouldn't surprise me for many country uh if you're a foreigner there them asking about uh america ridiculously lax protocols um but they've been very polite about it is the thing um no no one's outright criticized america to me they've shown a lot of deference in my opinion hmm. it's it's usually you want to see what my opinion is and so once i give it to them a place like, of curiosity oh, yeah, yeah yeah i guess uh, it would make sense that it would. Well, if they're asking about Trump, it's not about his comments towards China. I assume then, because that would be a pretty loaded question. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's it's more just it's just a general his leadership. Think, yeah, I think they want to see if I, as an American, do I like him? And usually, I would just kind of sigh or just say no, and then they laugh and that we would just move on from there. Um, I think they were wanted to know, does an American actually think Trump is a good leader? Right. Um, and I think that's what they were curious about. Yeah, that's a fair question. Uh, running into an American in the wild. Um, 
other times and the times that I've been in the UK, uh, when I was in college, uh, it was fascinating to me how fascinated everyone was with, uh, us politics, like showing up and seeing Obama's reelection on every newspaper in London. Um, I was like, I just felt like for one, you can't escape American politics anywhere, but (laughs) also just like the overall fascination was positive in the past. And I feel like that's no longer the case that uh, even if it's neutral, it's neutral with negative connotation. Yes, I probably agree with that. I'm I mean, it's good that you haven't suffered any consequences for our uh, leadership skills in the past um, few years. Yeah, there's been a few other ways, um, mostly with getting the vaccine that's kind of proven uh, difficult. And I think that might be have a little bit to do with with politics between our countries um well speaking of which um what did the vaccine rollout look like in china for you so um it so first off it's free for everybody and Mm -hmm. there's multiple different ones i got sinovac and it's two doses um when china first started rolling out the vaccine they first kind of went to, well, first they gave it to medical professionals and then they kind of gave it to people working in transportation. And then they just started giving it to everybody. Well, everybody that is like 18 and older or right. a certain a- age. Um, for it. Yeah. But, yeah. But it wasn't, you know, some countries are doing it in stages relating to age. China mostly um, kind of opened it to everybody. And when they first started it, um, you couldn't even get it because there were so many people trying to get the vaccine. Um, you would see queues outside hospitals and makeshift hospitals that, that were converted in, like from office buildings of people just, go, it goes, went around the block. Um, people would wait up to like three hours to get the vaccine. Wow. And then more and more people got it, um, that's when... I looked into getting it for myself and the first dose went with no problem. Uh, I, I went there, I waited in line, I filled out the form, gave them my passport. There was a little bit of hiccup because there's not many foreigners in this city and in 12 million people, there's less than 3000 foreigners. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They expected you to just give them the, like, basic the the chinese version of a social security number um which is like their national id mm-hmm. and when i get my passports they kind of realized the computer didn't have an option for the passport now we, we figured our way around it but i yeah the first dose was fine no problem then there was a policy change in the local government um because similar in to the way states you know, control their own policies and their own laws and their own rollouts. Mm-hmm. China does it province to province and sometimes even city to city. So this isn't reflecting on all of China. This was just my city. Um, they made a policy change saying that certain countries needed to start paying for the vaccine. And America was one of those on of the course. list. Um, UK was also on the list. Canada, um, the only problem was, so I went for my second dose 
And they said, okay, you need to pay for it. And I said, no problem. Um, how do I pay? And I said, we, well, we don't have an infrastructure set up to pay. Oh, God. And I, <laughs> okay. And so they're like, we'll call you when, when, when it's set up. Because it, the policy was brand new. I just thought, okay, yeah, they, they, this is just poorly thought out. As the weeks go by, um, I called hospital after hospital after hospital. And there was no infrastructure to pay. It is either just an oversight or it was kind of, I don't know. Um, some people think it was, it, it was just a mix up with uh, a completely different list relating to who got the vaccine abroad from China. No one really knows why this happened, but eventually I did find a hospital that basically they were just like, we don't care. We're giving it to everybody. So I went there and got the vaccine. Um, and yeah, now, now I've got it. And most people have it now. Um, I think China has vaccinated, well, fully vaccinated about 890 million people. Um, wow. And then 2 million more people have one dose or two days, two doses of the three dose vaccine. It must be really nice living in a country that doesn't have the type of vaccine propaganda floating around that we do here. It is really nice. <laughs> um, some people who have been skeptical, um, they just kind of said, I, I don't know if I'll get it. But there was there was not the level of speculation that there is in America and just this mistrust of the, of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Like most people that were worried were, were women who were pregnant or about to be pregnant. That was sure. kind of the biggest issue. Is this safe for people that are pregnant or plan to be pregnant? And other for everyone else, it was it was like, well, yeah, this has been tested. Um, it's being recommended and it's safe to get. And so everyone got it. Like the response was just nothing like um, America's basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Texas is still less than half vaccinated. Right. Uh, Which Abbott was like celebrating that y'all broke 50%. I'm like, you realize this is not a good thing, right? Uh, that's, not, that's not good, Abbott. Yeah. Yeah. Got to pump those numbers up, Abbott. Way up. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I like, I understood this, like, concern for whether or not it was safe i had the concern as well but because of how far down the tier i was on the rollout i got to watch you know a ton of old people that if it had negative side effects it would have killed take it without <laughs> negative side effects um so by the time it got to yeah. me i was i was pretty comfortable with it it, it was safe for me as a, as a foreigner um it took a bit longer for me to get it um, and so, yeah, it just, you're just keeping up with the news. There's no cases of vaccine gone wrong kind of a thing. So it was like, okay, this is, this is something safe. Literally everyone is getting it. All my friends, all, all my Chinese friends have gotten it. They are all fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of like, yes, like just use some logic. Um, this is safe. Right. Um, so going back, actually, I missed a step on my line of questioning to the outbreak of the pandemic. And then around the time of the Trump 
agitation. Um, so you were obviously, I, I said it in the announcement, for anybody listening who didn't see, um, I know Alexander from high school, speech and debate, so she was also homeschooled. Um, so we were raised in similar conservative religious backgrounds. Um, so my question, to put it as like directly as possible, uh, were your parents very political before Trump, and did they become political more so afterwards at all so my parents are quite conservative and neither of them were initially a very big fan of trump and they also like in in years past they they would you know get news sometimes from fox however the more and more i would chat with my parents the more they would kind of say, yeah, we're not really watching the news anymore. I think um, they feel quite maybe disappointed in their party. I feel like no one's really that happy to support either Republicans or Democrats anymore. Yeah, they they had very mixed feelings about um, everything. And... So it was interesting to see them not, you know, they stopped watching Fox News. However, in the second election, they did vote for Trump. And it was a little bit jarring mm-hmm. um, to, to know that. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's interesting to see, like, I don't know. They, they definitely changed a lot politically. But also at the same time, they've kind of stuck to what they've always believed in, which is very biblically based conservative policies. Sure. Um, did the Republican Party's uh, assault on China in general as a result of COVID, did that seep into your parents' view of what you were doing there or your presence there in general? Luckily, not at all. Um, they've always been extremely supportive of me living in China. And that was something that they even kind of said that it's not really okay to, to point fingers like this, to, you know, to call it the China virus. Um, they, they were critical of that. That's and good. luckily, you know, I haven't been able to go home in the past two years at all. Um, whereas used to, I would, I would go home usually every winter and summer. Um, so it's definitely had an impact on, on our relationship in the sense that I can't see them. Sure. But even so, they've, they've still remained very supportive. They've said, you know, stay out there, do what you need to do. Like, you don't need to come back um, at this time. And it's okay. They've they've been quite supportive of that, which I'm extremely thankful for. Yeah, that's good. That's actually a surprising response. I, I didn't anticipate that. Uh, <laughs> Just knowing yeah. everybody else's yeah. parents that we grew up around, I actually thought that uh, your answer was going to go a different way there. <laughs> thought we were going to have a very special episode. It, well, it is very special in that we found the one person who had wildly supportive parents <laughs> that were religious conservatives growing up. Yeah, even though we, we differ politically on many, many, many things, almost everything at this point, um, they still have remained supportive and it's something that I know I'm quite lucky to have. Um, and is definitely not the experience for many other people of our background. 
Do you have any friends from high school that maybe have uh, been affected by the xenophobia that have shared their opinions with you? So a couple people, so not so much people from high school um, have messaged me, but there's been some like extended family that's messaged me here and there. Um, and they're even more conservative. They are kind of, I think what you were thinking of. Um, and one person did send me a message asking, you know, when am I going to come back to America? And, you know, is it even safe to be in China? And this kind of a thing to which I kind of just replied, yes. Um, I have no job to come to in America. I'm not going to quit mine for zero reason. And it's very safe here because no one has cases. Um, Mm -hmm. There's literally 1000 cases in the entire country. So yeah, it's extremely safe. Um, And they didn't say anything expressly anti-China, but they kind of referred it to, you know, as communist China, which given yeah, and, and China is a communist quote, capital communist. state. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but when people bring it up in America as communist China, even though that's a fact, it's definitely negatively connotated. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, they use it. They use the term communist uh, to then associate any socialist communist policies with the like authoritarian. Mm-hmm government in China, which is just a fundamental misunderstanding of how economic systems and government systems work. But uh, so, yeah, it doesn't surprise me that they they used the uh, communism plug there in a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of uh, with the some of the Internet restrictions that are there, have you run into any situations where you felt like you needed to use VPNs or whatever, just access what you were trying to access for work or for personal interest or whatever. Oh yeah, um, I have a VPN. Uh, it's you need it a lot <laughs> if you want to access anything like Facebook, Instagram, um, anything really. That like if anything on Google, of course. Sure. Um, but now it's just become so normal to me. I when I open my computer, I turn on my VPN and I surf the web. And and it, and now it feels just normal, um, so it doesn't feel so much like a restriction at this point. I yeah. think just because I've gotten so used to doing it. Yeah, <laughs> well, there's only so much you can do to restrict the internet because it was designed in nature to not be restricted. So you can do what you can yeah. locally, but VPNs pretty much eliminate any anything you can. You can't do anything about them. Well, the, the only time I have trouble with the VPNs, it, it's always interesting. It's it's always during a Chinese holiday, like a political holiday, or when China's having a huge, um, like political, like when when the Communist Party is in session, or they're having a summit, then you your VPN starts to have some trouble connecting for a few days, and then it just goes back to normal after that. Do you think it's maybe because it's being like overloaded with use? Like there's a lot of people that are trying to communicate because of the event that's just overloading the server. Or it do you could, think that- however, usually it seems to be 
that they they kind of step up their interference. Uh, firewall. Yeah, their interference with the VPNs. Um, and like I say, a lot of it, I think, is to avoid criticism. You know, they, they are a communist state and China does not like to be criticized that much. And I think it's less less so much as they don't want other countries criticizing them and more so they don't necessarily want to want everybody to see that they've been criticized. Um, yeah. And so during these like really more patriotically charged um, national holidays, for example, there's a, a national holiday. It's the founding of the party in October um, or founding of the country in October. And that's when you usually see some issues with your VPN okay. around those kind of times. Uh, that's interesting, actually. Um, the Rufus, you got anything? I'm looking at my notes. Um. Oh, I actually did have something I thought of while she was talking. Uh oh. Give me one second. Um. So we know. I know you talked about how everyone uh, around, not everyone around you, China is as aggressively political as, say, us. Uh, or at least as I've spoken about it. Uh, how have your own political views adapted from your conservative upbringing to your young adulthood and then into moving to China? Um, growing up, I was also quite conservative. And yeah. then I think through late high school and then continuing into university, um, I started to see things differently um, and kind of started moving towards a, a more and more liberal outlook. Um, now, having moved to China, um, I think, and I know probably any conservative listening to this is just going to think I've been brainwashed or something, <laughs> but you can see, especially through the COVID uh, response in China, there are benefits to a communist society. And to me, the, their COVID handling is yeah. number one. Um, <laughs> yeah, you please Rufus with that one. <laughs> Like China, um, so in, in the initial outbreak, um, there was a lot of fear of this. There's this new unknown virus. And so I think it made people quite compliant um, and very willing to go into lockdown here in China because we were all scared. Um, however, after that, we've had a couple, you know, outbreaks throughout China. And like my city in particular had one last like in January, 2021. And the whole city went completely back into lockdown again. You can't leave your apartment or you can't leave your neighborhood. You could leave your apartment, um, but you can't leave your neighborhood unless, you know, you have a pass to go get groceries or like a medical reason, something like this. And you were, we were back inside our homes for, for two straight weeks and China coordinated. Um, we, we would be the city coordinated uh, testing, like having nucleic tests every, thing, every two days, um, some even more frequent, some less frequent, depending on what area of the city you were in and how many cases were in that area. And they would sometimes I would get a message from my kind of neighborhood group chat 
and saying, okay, it's 2 a.m. We have to go get nucleic tests. And you go and you do it because you're trying to prevent the pandemic from getting worse. Right. And that's something that people in China seem to understand and are willing to make small sacrifices for. Um, And similar with Delta, China's just had a Delta outbreak. It started in Nanjing um, and it just slowly went to more and more provinces. I was actually traveling and it was actually in a province that had Delta and it was amazing the response because um, it was in Chengdu and Chengdu has so many people. It's, it's, I forget exactly how many millions. Um, it's way bigger than my city. And they had five cases and using kind of, you know, CCTV footage and tracking where people have been like hotel wise and everything. Um, they were able to source all of the cases and put all of those places into lockdown, but the rest of the city was business as usual. And it was just kind of like, wow, that's kind of amazing that that you could do that. Right. Um, And so, yeah, I don't know. I've just, I've been very much impressed with China's lockdown response. They've, they've just done it really well and they've kept a lot of people safe. Uh, me included. And so for me, when I just kind of look at the news and see people in America who refuse to even wear a mask in public yeah, because of personal freedom, it's like, you know, sometimes personal freedom is a little bit overrated. And a time like a, a pandemic, when everybody needs to do their part and cooperate for the betterment of the entire society, that's when you kind of need to make some little sacrifices. And right. I think it's it's just so foreign a concept to Americans, and we're seeing it. Which is a recent development, because that's not even how that was ever meant to be. The theories behind all of our freedoms like, are that we can only have them if they're limited to not interfering with others' freedoms. Like, you know, their right to continue breathing um, (laughs) supersedes my right to not wear a mask. Like, it's just there's there's that's the only way society can function. We can't have just absolute structureless like interaction because even anarchy is actually a political theory that exists within order. Like the the A inside the O is it symbolizes like order um, and existing Mm -hmm. within it. Uh, like not being governed, but still having order. Um, and so that like, even that is a far, far better, uh, concept than just this like absolute structuralist, like idea that Texans and Floridians and a lot of conservatives in California now are just taking and running with because like the whole, uh, this was something that I had to like reckoned with as far as our homeschool conservative upbringing was that with speech and debate, um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, John Locke's theory of social contract and stuff and the whole, my right to swing my fist ends where your face begins. So to go from that being like a commonly known thing to like, I can get my COVID spit wherever I want. Cause I'm American. was just a very, uh, I, I actually, from listening to it, it sounds like I had way more 
to deal with about um, our upbringing and the pandemic than you did there. Because I was assuming that you probably had a lot of um, issues with people uh, falling prey to some of the commentary from Trump. But it sounds like you had pretty positive experience overall, including your experience with fellow Americans, since you didn't have to be around most of them. <laughs> well, I think um, so. The only thing I can add to um, negative experiences is there have been a, a few here and there, um, but I also don't want that to completely overshadow my entire view of China. Sure. Because the reality is, city it used to be, I think, like 50 years ago, it was basically a, a large village. Um, and so, so sometimes you do have some small mindedness here. And I'm very aware that other places aren't necessarily like that. It's the difference in someone you meet in New York versus someone you might meet in, you know, tiny town in Texas. Yeah. You know, there's small mindedness in every country and China's yeah, no different. I don't want to act like it's been nothing but roses and daisies here. Yeah. Some people stare. Some people whisper. Um, the amount of times I hear foreigner now, and that does have a negative connotation. That being said, what I've gone through is nothing compared to what um, Asian Americans and Asians have had to go through in America. Absolutely. Um, absolutely nothing. Like I get a couple stares and a couple looks and, you know, a couple mumbled words here and there, but I've never felt unsafe. Never felt verbally abused. So even, even so it's still a very different experience between the two. Right. And I wasn't saying that I, that I would have guessed that you actually had a negative experience with the uh, Chinese people more with people we grew up around and, parental uh, authorities yeah. or like our parental units all <laughs> contacting you about being in China. That that was my assumption was that you were experiencing that from people back here. Like, Oh, we're supposed to hate China now. Oh, Alexandra's in China. Um, what's it like being oppressed? And like, like <laughs> I just, like I was, I've been working out of the assumption that you've been like assaulted by <laughs> Americans while living in China. Well, honestly, a lot of my friends do tend to just be more liberal. And so, and going back to high school, I haven't honestly kept that in contact with as many conservative, um, people I used to know. So, it might have happened, but I think I was too introverted in high school to actually form bonds and for people to actually feel comfortable enough to message me this kind of thing. Okay. Um, I notice it more just on the internet. Like if, if it, if it comes up in, in a, in a post, if it comes up in a comment, then is where you see the people being like, Oh yeah, you've been like, you, you're, um, what did they say? You know, you're you you've been brainwashed by the Communist uh, Party. Um, you know, you know, they'll they'll just bring up issues China has uh, relating to human rights that have nothing to do with the pandemic. Sure. Um, as that as if we're a bastion of human rights. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's that's more that makes yeah. I was like, that has to have happened at some point. There's no way. 
please tell me someone's been mean to you about this. I I don't know that I know America at all if uh, you weren't accosted somewhere on the internet by an American for being in China. <laughs> Maybe the internet just hates you, Marcos. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not even there and I hear so much about... Uh... There's actually... Okay, um, actually, I can think of something. Um, <laughs> uh, my mom, she's a voice teacher. Um, she's got quite a few voice students. And they're all around our age-ish, some older, some younger. And she said she sometimes she gets some questions um, about me, mm-hmm. um, asking why I'm still in China, why I'm not back in America to settle down. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, why do I want to be in China? Aren't they communist? Yeah. Even so, it's, 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 I think it's more inquisitive, maybe a little bit. Uh, poking, but not super negative. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was more what I was interested in, whether or not you'd experience personally, though. Yeah, that makes sense. That it's, I mean... We are a news podcast still, technically, so we need some sensational stories out of this yeah, you can't you can't just have only had a good time <laughs> we've been suffering over here now i'm mad at you uh, uh no um what are your plans for the future with uh your living there uh, i know that your boyfriend lives in the uk um is there any plans for him to join you there or are you planning on uh wrapping up your experience there at some point in the future or what are your plans so our, our general plan for, for the moment is because he's finishing up a master's and also working in England while he does that. Um, and he has one year left. So we are we've been long distance for three full years as of last week. And we have one year left, just one more. Um, and then hopefully he will be able to join me because uh, we, we met here and he was also a teacher and he loved it. So he wants to do some more teaching before like we quote unquote settle down. Right. And so we're thinking um, three ish, four ish years in China together. So maybe like four to five more for me. Um, and then going back to the UK because you couldn't drive me back to America. Yeah. Yeah. If, yeah. if I had an out, I'd take it. I don't blame you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say England's perfect. They definitely have their own share of issues, not unlike America's, but a little more but, muted than ours. Yeah, still pretty unlike America's. <laughs> uh, yeah. Even similar in nature, just not to the degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so hopefully he can join. That's, uh, that's awesome. I uh, Yeah, I wasn't aware that you were going to do another five years. That's pretty cool. Um I want to be fluent. Um, and right now, like my Chinese is, is very good. Um, I can hold conversation easily. The problem is um, I, I want to be more fluent. You know, it's, it's such a hard language to master. And if you want any kind of work relating to the language, which I think is what I eventually want to do, um, my level is just not high enough yet. So mm-hmm. that, that's mostly the reason I'm still here. Because honestly, um, China is changing. Um, They are getting more strict. There is rise in xenophobia here. Um, There's a difference 
but it's it's very muted right now but you can you can feel it a little bit and it's mostly to do with relations between countries such as our own um like america's just not helping this this growing kind of resentment towards the west um right and so used to i think i saw myself living here maybe another 10 years however i think um I think I'm ready to move back to the West and then kind of do work with China via the West. Okay. Yeah. Um, what are your, the classes you teach? You said you, uh, what, what are the demographics of the people that you teach there? So I'm a kindergarten teacher at a Montessori kindergarten. And so it's kind of more affluent families in the city. Um, I've got, so I've just now switched to part-time so that I can do my online Chinese program um, with the university. But now I've got two classes a day and uh, they're adorable. It's about 20 children, 20 to 30 children per class. Um, And they are around four or five years old. They're so cute. Uh, (laughs) Honestly, they've, me from going literally insane during the pandemic um so it's it's a very fulfilling job and you know you're having a bad day you go into work and you've got like 60 little people just like shouting your name and you're like okay i guess i guess things could be worse yeah so so that sounds like the opposite of how i want my day to get fixed but I, that does sound fun yeah <laughs> <laughs> I I understand it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have their moment. Sometimes um, I want to jump out the window, but you know, all in all, they're they 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 are okay. <laughs> um, my when you contacted me uh, about this episode, you said that you had um, regarding China, you had your first uh argument with your parents in a really long time which actually is the reason i wasn't just assuming that you had a bad experience with your parents or our upbringing uh for no reason that was actually my concern so i assumed your mom and dad were garbage people (laughs) (laughs) yeah yes um so we recently had a phone conversation i spoke each of them with with each of them individually And we were talking about the vaccine, um, mostly as it related to America. Um, They they both are skeptical of the vaccine in America. At the time, it was still not FDA approved. So um, and that was one of the reasons they gave. So I'm actually a little bit curious to to ask them, has that affected their opinion of the vaccine now that it has been approved? Mm -hmm. But yes, um, it got heated. Because I'm someone who's at risk. Um, I've got chronic bronchitis. Um, so if, if I were to have bronchitis and also have COVID, um, that could be really, really bad for me. Right. And so we were talking about the vaccine and I kind because they said we wear a mask, um, you know, most of the time. Is, is that not enough? And it's like, well, if, if you have COVID, although, yes, a mask can reduce your, you know, the, the likelihood of you giving it, it doesn't completely take care of it, especially if one person isn't wearing a mask. 
Um, and it's all about, you know, trying to prevent one more person from getting sick, trying to prevent one more person from dying. Um, like it, it's for the good of other people is, is mostly why to get the vaccine because they're very healthy and it was a reason they gave. We're not like, we don't need to, um, because I'm healthy. And if I do get COVID, uh, it'll probably be a very mild case. And it's like, yes, that's true. But not everyone else that you might give COVID to, um, might, they might not be in that same position. That's also just not the and case with Delta variant anymore. All of our ICU beds in Texas are yeah. also full occupied. Exactly. Yes. Um, and so it kind of just got more and more heated um, as the conversation went on. And I brought religion into it. Um, <laughs> do you think Jesus would get the vaccine? Um, and I was kind of immediately rebuffed and said to not bring religion into this, to which I got mad because it's like my whole life has been nothing but let me, yeah. let me guilt you into certain things because of religion. <laughs> um, so it, it kind of just escalated and it escalated. And we just weren't, you know, usually even when we have political conversations about which we might disagree, uh, we can usually either come to a point where we either respect that person's opinion or we leave it there knowing we, we heard each other out. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. Um, I, for some reason, this was one conversation that I just couldn't accept for some reason. Um, right. Yeah. It, it just, it didn't go well. We, we've since, you know, made up, like we're not angry with each other anymore, but you know, that day was a bit rough, honestly, because we don't fight often. And also it's not uh, growing up with conservative parents. Um, it's not easy to be mad at them either. Cause that just wasn't um, so much allowed when you were smaller and had to be obedient and stuff. Um, so it was uncomfortable um, and unfortunately, I don't think their opinion is going to change. Not for the time being. They they did say, we'll, we'll get the vaccine if, if we can come see you. And I think they thought, why isn't she happy with this? Because that is still a big thing. A lot of parents might not even say that. They would right. just say, I don't care that I can't see you. Because the reality is, I don't even know when I'm going to be back in America. Um, so it's either going to be England or China, most likely. And they said, well, we'll get it for you. And although I, I appreciated that, the, the point was, I didn't understand how people who embraced a religion uh, and, and embraced the words of Jesus um, could not care about their neighbor, could not care about other people. It was like, it was Jesus's whole doctrine was caring for others and taking care of the poor and, you know, just everything. Mm -hmm. And so it was just very jarring. And unfortunately it seems that a lot of Christians have this opinion and I just don't understand it. I, I thought we were supposed to look after other people. I thought we were supposed to treat people like we were supposed to be treated. Um, you know, so it, it's, it's been something difficult to grapple with. 
Sure. Yeah. Um, I I don't know why I didn't think that it was about the vaccine when you said it wasn't about the, <laughs> the country. Um, as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, right. The other big thing that they've got right now. Um, yeah, I, I've been seeing that from a lot of uh, from a lot of conservatives with no real cause other than a general distrust that they have no business having for vaccinations. Um, well, that was something else. I was speaking to a, a, a more conservative person I know, and they were saying how, like, they were saying that, um, like, their work was requesting them to get the vaccine. And they've given them uh, a piece of paper saying that they waive their Hippocratic rights regarding the vaccine. So not not their entire, you know, Hippocratic rights just regarding the vaccine. And they brought this up as, a, as an issue as to why this was an infringement on their personal freedom. And to which I, I just didn't understand because ever since you were a child, you, your parents took you to the doctor. They gave you vaccines against deadly diseases. There was probably some form of identification saying that you had gotten this vaccine. You give it to the school to show that you've been vaccinated so that you can go to school. So I'm not quite sure why this vaccine this, so this time is suddenly, yeah. yeah. Any piece of paper with my name on it is an infringement on my privacy, okay? I'll wait till they find yeah. out about how driver's licenses work. Yeah, it has your address on there. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, it was just, I, I just don't understand it. I, it. This isn't me trying to be rude and heartless towards conservatives or trying to make this political. I just don't understand. Um, and no one has given me a sufficient explanation. Nobody has. I feel like by the end of this podcast's existence, we're going to eventually figure this out. Because it's been a running theme amongst uh, not just you, but all of our other guests. And then Marks and I has own uh, family histories and whatnot of the contradictory nature of like conservative Christians trying to combine the honestly selfish ideals of um, political conservatism and Christianity because which is inherently supposed to be selfless. Right. <laughs> Cause they should not mesh at all. No, they <laughs> don't at I'm, all. <laughs> and I mentioned that in the last, uh, our last episode with Derek that I had to tell my mom uh, recently that I was like the reason that I am the way I am politically is because of what you taught me like that that I still subscribe to the teachings of that hippie that was flipping tables um, and telling people, rich people they weren't going to go to heaven um, and I was like, yeah. and, that, like and while I, I don't have religious beliefs that are like that anymore the concept that was that was taught to me at a young age is why i ended up resigning from the political and religious upbringing i'm like i can't accomplish any of what i've been taught i needed to do with these and i yeah i'm surprised that um not a lot of christians experience that like sort of reckoning of like I, this, this doesn't work. Um, well, and for me, like I'm, I'm still a Christian, um, but I hate the church. I hate it. Um, and I, the, the kind of the things that 
popular Christians espouse and, you know, the church itself espouses and the majority of the Christian body espouses, it makes me dislike my own religion. And it's been something I've been grappling with year after year after year. And I have no idea if, if slash when it will ever be resolved, because sometimes I question, why am I still a Christian um, when I literally hate the church because of the things the church puts forth? And it's, for, the answer for me for now is just I, I do go back to the things that Jesus said, and I, I, I agree with most of them. And so it, it's, it's turned into like a personal faith. Um, but as soon as the church gets involved or culture gets involved, like conservative Christian culture, I, I hate it. Uh, and I want nothing to do with it because right. most of it goes so far against the Bible. I mean, truly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, my mom is disappointed obviously by that and by my my deciding that i uh she's more disappointed with the religious uh deviance than political um but i told her i was like i i need the church to stop trying to seek political power and i'm busy fighting the church with that right now and want, when and if the church stops seeking power in the u.s government then i'll revisit the theological uh points but until then i'm too busy dealing with um the christians that are ruining everybody's lives right now <laughs> in texas specifically um yeah i just i don't even get that either because like what happened to separation of church and state like the state can't intervene with the church, but the church wants all of its sticky little fingers in the government. I just don't uh, like. Yeah, I'm like, if y'all are gonna yeah. be like this, like we need to start taxing the church. Then it's as we all read, Jesus taught, "If you want to spread my word, overthrow your government and create a theocracy." He was here to make a theocracy. We all know this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Number one, teaching Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, hate foreigners. Yeah. <laughs> the brown yeah. man said, "Hate anyone who isn't white and Republican." If there's one thing Jesus hated, it was brown people. <laughs> um, foreigners. Yeah. Yeah. So going back to vaccines, um, that's uh, that's a a point that is also I like. I've been surprised because not. 10 years ago, the state of Texas was the number one in the country for requiring meningitis vaccines to go to school. Uh, both Rufus and I had to get <laughs> meningitis vaccines yeah. and, and show proof of them to move into the dorm that we met each other at. Um, exactly. I yeah. actually, we had, I moved in two weeks early because I was in football in my first year at Howard Payne. And uh, there were people that didn't have the meningitis uh vaccine yet when we arrived and even though it was just the football team that was on campus um they were not allowed to move into the dorms until they got the vaccine and had to stay in the coaches houses uh their personal homes um until and so like to go from that to well it's, it's an infringement of our rights to expect me to get vaccinated against the 
plague that's killed so many people. Um, yeah. I, I don't get it. And then every argument they make is, is just, uh, you know, oh, well, it hasn't been researched, even though uh, the RNA research for this vaccine started before I was born and I'm approaching 30 rapidly. <laughs> um, yeah. More rapidly than I'd like. It's, it's honestly impressive in a scary way how much power the anti-vax movement in general has accumulated over the past several years. I know whenever I was like in college and high school, they were the crazy anti-vax people. Yeah, you always heard we about all made fun of them. Yeah, they were, they were catching measles and stuff. Oh, well, they're all going to die out eventually. And now, no, they're literally killing everyone else around them. Well, and another thing that shows how incongruent the, you know, what they're saying and other things they're saying are, is that, you know, another thing I've heard from a couple of conservative people is when you bring up the numbers, the number of people that have gotten sick and the number of people that have died. Um, someone literally said, that's not, a, that's not a large number. And yeah. having in lieu of things like black lives matter and Asian lives matter, Everyone was just screaming, all lives matter. Well, where's that now? Right. What what happened to all lives matter? Like, those, are those four million just an exception? Do they just not count? Um, yeah, every so time I see somebody say a 1% fatality rate, I'm like, that's a really weird way to spell 5 million deaths. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, and like I say, through the other side of your mouth, you're completely not listening to people that are oppressed and just saying, well, all lives matter. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't line up. And once again, it's just, it's just so frustrating. It it's, yeah. it's mind boggling. Yeah. Uh, I hate that I was forced into a realm where I was expected to respect logic and thought and like, and actual like, argumentation and everything only to have all those people be like yeah jokes on you whenever uh i came to adulthood your liberal college brainwashed you no no it didn't the very opposite happened actually no my conservative college forced me out of it yeah uh Yeah, our private Baptist university in Central Texas definitely did the brainwashing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's baffling. Mm. <laughs> um, do you have anything else that you would like to share in particular about um, or would like to share with? our listeners about your experience um, or your plans or um, anything else? Um, let me, let me, let me think a second. Um, well, so one thing people might find interesting, I don't know, because China so far has had a very, um, you know, they, they've not allowed for the virus to, you know, be present in China because they're, they're concerned about herd immunity. And especially since the Chinese vaccines are slightly less effective um, than Western ones. However, rumor has it that in 2022, after the Olympics, 
um, China might start changing its policies once enough people are vaccinated and once the Olympics, which is very political, um, is over, they might start um, going away from their containment uh, kind of uh, pandemic outlook. They might start opening their borders and uh, kind of doing what the rest of the world is doing and kind of forcing everyone else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the, it makes sense uh, that, you know, that mm-hmm. wasn't going to be a permanent way of life, but that it definitely exactly. took longer than it needed to. Um, yeah. One other question. Um, we'll, th- we'll throw the conservatives a bone here. Is there uh, any? Uh, is there anything about the Communist Party that uh, has um, concerned you about your time in uh, China with regard to how it operates the government there, or how it uh, operates people's, you know, in pe- in people's personal lives? Hmm. Um. Y- yes. I would say, you know, and not even talking about, you know, some human rights issues that China does have um, and there being kind of a lack of there, there, there is a censoring of that information. Mm-hmm. Um, the public largely does not receive it. Um, on, on top of that, for sometimes the the ability of China with their um, security footage and like CCTV it's 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 all inspiring in both the good way and the bad way because right. in situations like the pandemic um it's so useful they can literally use facial recognition to find anyone who has been caught in, in in contact with someone with covid go find them isolate them test them um it, it's kind of amazing how they can do that the only thing that and also similar with crime they're actually quite They've they've been able to stop some kidnappings using facial recognition um, right. security footage. That being said, um, there is a line, and it's very very gray. And I think right now they're making a fair use of that. Uh, they're making a good use of it. However, just the sheer power in it right. to be able to find anyone at any time. It's a little bit scary. Very dystopian um, feeling. It, so it not while you're here, right. but when you think about in it, theory. it is. Yeah. Yeah. At least you have them actually doing like good with it. If that were ever to take place in the United States, the government would be like, oh, well, it's for good. But like, we're actually not going to do anything good with it. We're only going to do all the bad <laughs> stuff you were worried about. <laughs> Implementing that here, it would there would be no good face. It would immediately get rolled out. I was like, no, 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 this is this is for your own benefit to help prevent undesirable people from being around you. Yeah, this is to protect rich white neighborhoods. Basically. Right, that's exactly right. what CCTV would be used for in the United States, which is why it's good that we don't have it because our government could like. There's no good and bad. It's just bad. That's the only thing. We have the CIA. The CIA exists and it belongs to the United States. And that's all I need to say about our government's operating powers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, yeah. It's they're, they're doing good with it now. I, I really do think um, China is probably the best example of 
good use of this much kind of surveillance facial recognition but yeah it's 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 scary what could happen or where it could go and i'm not sin- insinuating that, that i think will, they would do yeah, anything just that it, but, yeah. but yeah if it were to come to it um i mean they could pretty much just do anything they, they'd be able to find anyone um it's just how it is right um well, I guess that pretty much eliminates any fear of like microchips in the vaccine there when you've got CCTV footage of every square inch of the public. Exactly. Like it's and even with masks, it's just, I don't know how they do it. I I don't know what kind of technology they've oh, got, they but yeah, with even with masks. masks. That yeah. Is, yeah. That is, wow. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's 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 top stuff. There's an app that um, you use when you go anywhere in China at the moment, um, to, and it, it's a green QR code, and it's basically all of that fed into this QR code that when you show it to somebody um, shows that you've not been to any place that um, has COVID or has been exposed to COVID, and they do it through this huge system um, of tracking and you know, checking in anywhere and it's all kind of fed into this app. And if it turns yellow, it means you might have been in contact with somebody or you might have been in a, in a general place that somebody ha- um, who had COVID was also there. And if it's red, it means you, you have directly been exposed to COVID. Wow. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. 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 And it lists the places you've been not, not by like specifics, but when I was um, traveling earlier this summer, um, it, it showed on the app that I'd been to Shijiazhuang, Chengdu, um, Lashan, and Zhou Jiago. So it, it knew the places and also which district I had been to. So I know I'm sure some Americans listening to that might be just like, oh, my God, that yeah. is such a police. But like I say, it, it's only been used for like being able to stop COVID and being able to track down everyone immediately. And so therefore I honestly don't have that much of an issue with it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That sounds like incredible technology too. Um, Sure. Yeah. uh, I'm sure there's a lot of, a lot of really cool work to that. I'd actually like to, I'm probably going to research how the, it works with the looking through masks thing. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, I haven't double check, yeah, double check that. I'm pretty sure they can. Um, it doesn't matter with masks because everyone's been wearing masks for the past two years and they're still able to use it. Um, so I'm pretty sure masks are not an issue, but you might need to fact check me there. Yeah, I'll, uh, yeah. I'll take a look and see. I'm mostly just because I'm fascinated as to how that would work. Um, Rufus, you got anything for us? Uh, no, actually, that was that was really informative. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on. Um, Alexandra, are you interested in staying for our news segment? Yeah, sure. Awesome. You will be uh, the first guest we've had that's actually just a guest for the news because Ryan turned into his own <laughs> entire segment and uh, Derek had to leave before we talked about the news. So... Um, All right. So, everybody listening, that was um, Alexandra's experience with China. And uh, if you want to check out the next episode, our part two of this series, we'll be catching you up on everything that's happened since episode eight. 
Uh, yeah, that's that's the news. Or that's a news thing. <laughs> that's a news thing. It's actually not news. That yeah, that, that was a... that was actually well. I mean, it was news about Alexandra. So oh yeah, yeah. that's some personal news. <laughs> <laughs> I have Alex here in post production. Uh, she's going to read off her original intro to this episode in Chinese as a special outro for us. Uh, Alex, God, take it away. 